Okay. So, um, up first is Pastor Brent Locker. Thank you. Thanks for the honor, and um, I return the honor by saying it is a, a huge privilege to um, to be here with all of you and to uh, just the bigger body of Christ uh, coming together. It's such a big deal to God. I Just a little while ago, Dan and Amy, I just got to tell you, I just looked over at you guys in the middle of worship, and I just started crying. I just started crying. And, and uh if you don't know, Dan and Amy were elders of uh, Blazing Fire when we first started um, about 17 years ago, if you can believe that. And, um, you know, they were there for about about the first seven or eight years, something like that, before they we kind of helped launch them into the house of prayer, which is where their heart was. And and it's just this is just the way of the kingdom that it it. Um, it's right that the kingdom expands and that people find their places and and you know for what they're alive for and and um, their expression just keeps expanding the kingdom that's right and it's also right that we get back together and love on each other and um, you know all the warm feelings uh, for you guys are just like right there um, love these guys so much and uh, Chuck and Linda you know gotten to know them uh, much more in the last couple of years and uh, just beautiful people kingdom people. Chuck's the one actually who instigated this night. He, uh, he texted me uh, about a couple weeks ago. He texted me and said, hey, just wanted to return the favor. Um, you know, you guys came over and, and crashed our party at Jesus Awakening. We, we, instead of having worship here, we went to the conference and decided we were having church with them that night. He said, we just wanted to return the favor. And um, I think he texted me on a it was either, I think it was a Sunday, actually, and uh, I just didn't didn't quite get back to him in the next day or two. I wanted to. I'm like, this is a good idea. I want to do this, but actually, it turned out that I got back with Chuck on the day that uh, Steve McCree um, died and went to heaven. For those of you that don't know Steve, he was here the last 20 years in this valley, and he um, was, he and his wife Carla are the directors of Shepherd's Gate in, in Livermore, that um, minister to homeless and battered women and children. And just those two took that dream to a phenomenal new place. Um, 10,000, I believe, is the approximate count of women and children they've helped in the last 20 years. And, and let me tell you, they're all about Jesus and watching Jesus restore lives. And um, so Steve was um, really one of my best friends for the last 20 years. And so that, that was a huge, huge loss. And I called Chuck that day. And uh, told him about it. And, and Chuck, I love the tenderness of your heart that he basically, Chuck, just stopped and cried with me. You know, we both were, you know, instantly feeling the loss and the, the, um, the, the just, ah, this hole that, um, you know, he's in heaven. So he's with us. He's part of the saints. He's right here. But uh, so when I called Chuck uh, and we then talked about this service, it just suddenly felt so, so right. It, it already felt right before, but it was like a coming together, the body of Christ coming together. Steve um, was a, 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 a person uh, so in love with Jesus, and he was so in love with this region. 
he had a huge heart for this region. And when he uh, suffered a really uh, horrible accident about three and a half years ago and broke his neck, and the doctor said he would never regain any of his limbs again, we knew differently. We began to pray for the miracle of Jesus. He got restoration of his arms back and his hands, and then even in the last little bit, his legs were starting to come back. There were things his legs were doing on their own. It was all coming back. And um, Steve and I had talked over and over again in the last three and a half years about um, that when God healed him, not if, but when God healed him and he got out of that chair, it was going to be a huge seed of revival for this region and particularly uh, unity in the body of Christ. Um, Because unfortunately, because of the enemy's lies, you know, there's just still a lot of ways the enemy tries to get us to to uh, see each other as uh, anything but one team. And Steve's heart was always for that, uh, for the oneness of the body of Christ. And so, you know, sometimes you have to ask yourself, okay, God, what about those promises? Well, the one thing I've certainly learned from the Lord is that, is that um, his ways are true. Um, what he speaks is true. It never, it never comes back to him empty or void without accomplishing his purposes. And and after a, a, the initial day of a lot of grief, a lot of uh, deep, deep crying, I just, um, you know, processing things with the Lord and with other people that I loved. Really, by the second day, my heart was already filled with so much gratitude for a friend like him. And, and then it became just super obvious in my heart that, that everything we had said is true. It's just he was healed in a very different way than we had anticipated but that his life is a seed. His death is a seed and his life in heaven. And he's part of this. You know, we we don't really understand that verse in Hebrews that talks about the saints that have gone before us um, cheering us on, and that, but we're all part of this together still. And um, so it's, it's with great joy that, um, you know, that, that I know um, that we're saying with Steve, we're going to keep going that um, that somehow uh, what happened in his going home to be with Jesus is going to be part of bringing together the body of Christ. And even tonight just feels so significant in that regard, that we're some part of something that's not only bigger than ourselves here, but it includes heaven. It, it, this is such a big deal. And the Father wants his kids back. He wants his church back. He wants his bride back. He wants his kids back. So... That was, I, I wanted to just kind of bring Steve into this, just explaining, you know, his heart. I'm going to just take another really five minutes to explain a, a scripture to you from, from uh, Jesus' uh, prayer in John 17. Then Amy's going to take over and talk about the cross. Uh, earlier we heard from Dan, her husband, and then Chuck's going to talk about the resurrection, and uh, we're going to have communion together. Um, so... John 17, I'm going to read from this, uh, just a few verses from the prayer in John 17. And this is, um, you think about this, Jesus' last prayer. This is, he had the, the he already washed his disciples' feet. He had, he had um, uh, the, uh, the last supper already happened. And now he's praying before it says they take off for the Garden of Gethsemane. His very, his final prayer. With, with the gang, you know, the, all there. And he knows, he knows what's going to come down. He knows this is the last time, those last intimate moments they're going to have together. What's on his heart? What was his whole life for? What was he getting ready for? What's he passing off to us? That's what this prayer is about. 
And I'm just going to read a few of the verses from, that you can see there. And this is from the Passion Translation. And Jesus says, but now I am returning to you. He's talking to the Father. I'm returning to you. So, Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. Wow. His whole life was about experiencing the joy of the Father and, 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 and giving that joy back. And he says, God, that's the thing I want to pass on to them. they got to know the joy, the two-way joy. See, Papa already enjoys you immensely. He's thoroughly thrilled with you. So, so what Jesus is saying is, God, let them get what we had while they're here on the earth. That's what he's praying for you. And he goes on, he says, And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's all of us sitting in this room. And I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are one, in the same way that we're one. I want them to be one. Joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. This is his prayer. I mean, there's so many amazing things about the kingdom. I love healing. I love, I love, you know, laughter. I love all the good things that God's bringing. But I'm telling you something. God's agenda is that we come together and that we love on each other with his love. This is his agenda above any other. And it's so obvious. So you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you two more verses. Just check out. Jesus is going to hit this again and again. Remember, he's with his followers. He's pouring his heart out to the Father. They're, they're in awe. They're just listening and learning from him. And they're realizing how important this is. And he says it again. He says, For the very glory, Father, the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. You have the very glory that the Father gave to Jesus. Jesus gives it to you. Why? so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. What is the glory? It's the God, God's goodness, his favor, his mercy, his tenderness, his compassion. It's in you. For what reason? So that you'll come together. So that we're going to see the enemy's lies for what they are when he tries to dupe us into, into you know, pitting us against each other. God's saying there's coming a time where we're going to be so filled with the love we're not going to fall for it anymore. Very next part of his prayer. Father, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. Why? So that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them. Father, Papa, you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Wow. Wow, this is amazing. All right, let me just finish it off. This is the last line. He says, I have revealed to them who you are, Papa, and I will continue to make you even more real to them. So many of you have been saying, God, you, I need you to be more real. Jesus lives in you, and he intercedes for you right now for Father to be more real to you. 
so that they will ex may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Wow. This is so good. This is his prayer for you. And honestly, all I'm going to do, I want to pr pray with you. That's, that's it. I'm turning it over. But I want to pray with you because, because as I just said a minute ago, I want to pray for us to be so filled up with love that we're done with, with falling into the trap of the enemy to try to find reasons, you know, to pit us against each other, to fight it, that the Lord will so overcome us with his love that we're, that we're no longer going to hang on to um, offense and hurt. We all get offended and we all get hurt. His love is greater. We do have a choice. Every person in this room, you have a choice. You really do. And, the, and, and the, the maker, the one who made you, is inside of you helping you to make that choice over and over and over again. We're going to choose love. Amen. Because we're, we're in that. So, Father, thank you, Father. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so well. Thank you for loving on Jesus. And Jesus, thanks for showing us what an intimate relationship with the Father looks like while we're living in, an, in, a, in a world that's hard. It's hard at times. Man, Jesus, you walked through it with us and for us. And, and, and so, Father, I'm asking, so fill us with your glory. So fill us with your love. Every person here, fill us, fill us, fill us with your love and your glory so that, God, we will walk in the oneness, in the unity, the very same one that Jesus and you shared together. Jesus, you would have never prayed a prayer that was impossible. You wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> and you are interceding for us, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you are the one with groans when we don't even have the words. And God, everything your heart desires, which is for your kids to get along and to love each other, God, it's coming. There is a revival coming that is all about love. It is all about love. This time, God, this revival is about love. And it's, and it's sweeping across the earth. And God, I'm praying for that unity in our hearts, that we will choose love over offense, that we will choose love over hurt and pain, that we will literally dethrone the enemy and say, no, I mean, you've already dethroned him, Jesus, but, but where he cannot get a place in our hearts where we say no, no to hate, no, no to jealousy, no to strife, yes to you, Jesus, yes to love, yes to perfect love, that cascades in us and through us. And I believe right now, I'm just going to stop because I believe in your heart, some of you, 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 actually the Lord's showing you some people. And he's saying there's a way out of this. Some people that you're at odds with. And he's saying there's a way out of this. Would you let me love you in this? Would you let me love them in this? And would you choose the ways of love? So just allow Holy Spirit to show you and to empower you, to empower you to choose to forgive and choose to love and choose to honor, choose to honor because you are honorable, choose to honor. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's with huge 
privilege and joy that I get to introduce my really, really dear sister in Christ, Amy Knight. Thank you. Wow, it's so great to see everybody. Many familiar faces. Thank you. I don't, I sort of need my crutch here in a music stand. So um, let me just pray for a minute and then I have a short meditation on the cross. And then um, I'm going to pray and we're going to hopefully sing around it a little bit. So, Lord Jesus. We just thank you so much, God, for this time together, Lord, that um, these three streams are coming together for this night, Lord, for this unity. And where there's unity, you command a blessing. So, Lord, I thank you for the commanded blessing that is even here in our midst, Lord. And I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to hit us concerning the cross, Lord, that you would open spiritual eyes and ears and that we would receive all that you want to show us through this little meditation and beyond it, Lord, whatever you want to show our hearts tonight, we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. So I compiled some verses out of all four Gospels, and so I'm not going to give you all the addresses because it would be too much flipping around, but it kind of gives the story, and then I also just throughout it have a little meditation. So... This is meant to be kind of prayerful, so um, just be in that space of, of, um, of prayer right now as I begin to just read some of these scriptures and speak about them a little bit. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, let him be crucified. So after he had Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him, mocking him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe back off of him and put on his own clothes and led him away to be crucified. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they, there they crucified him with two criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This was the first statement from the cross. Then one of the criminals 
who were hanging there blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This was the second statement from the cross. Note the reference of paradise referring back to the Garden of Eden. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The third statement from the cross. Jesus is feeling the full weight of the exile of the human race when Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden, out of paradise. In Genesis 3, we read that the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good from evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden. So he drove out man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. At the cross, we no longer have Jesus and Mary. We have the new Adam and the new Eve. From the new Adam and the new Eve, a new humanity would arise out of the new garden of Eden. The bridegroom Jesus carries the dead tree of life from Eden in the form of the cross, and he transplants the tree. He mounts the tree voluntarily, and he literally becomes the fruit of the tree of life. Whoever eats of this fruit, his body and his blood will have everlasting life. Through Jesus, we have access to the tree of life again. We eat him. We appropriate him. We ingest him. We receive the word of God. The flaming sword of Eden also shows up in the story. The sword would be used to pierce the side of Jesus all the way to his heart, opening his heart to all of mankind. And at the same time, pierce the heart of Mary at the foot of the cross. The cross becomes the very gateway entrance to the new paradise of Eden. All those who follow Jesus will also take up their crosses and be pierced with the sword of sacrificial love to enter the everlasting Eden of heaven. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. The fourth statement from the cross. Note the reference back to the Garden of Eden, calling her woman, as Eve was called woman. 
Then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. Mary, as the new Eve, through her obedience, when she received the word from the angel and said, be it done to me according to your word. And she continued in obedience all the way to the cross. She would undo the knot of Eve's disobedience. At the cross, we witness a marriage covenant taking place between the new Adam and the new Eve, the bridegroom and the bride. As Eve was formed out of Adam's side, so also the church was formed out of the pierced side of Christ. The four rivers of blood pouring out of Christ's hands and feet are likened to the four rivers of the Garden of Eden. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. The fifth statement from the cross. Jesus was thirsting for souls. He longs for us to satiate his thirst for souls by giving him ourselves completely and also winning souls for him. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. The sixth statement from the cross. This is the very same thing as saying it is consummated. The marriage of the lamb has been consummated on the marriage bed of the cross. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The seventh statement from the cross, and having said this, he breathed his last. So I want to pray, and then the worship team can also sing around it. Oh, Lord, you took on the very curse, Lord, of Genesis When man was sent out of the garden, Lord, and you said thorns and thistles would grow up. You took the thorns on your head. You took on the curse that was pronounced. You yourself did this, Lord. You said, Lord, in Genesis, Genesis, that you would put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Lord, this seed of the woman, Christ himself, now lives in each one of us. And you give us a part in crushing the head of Satan. Yes, you did everything on the cross, but then you also let us also crush the works of the enemy in our own lives, in our own families. everybody. I want to pray for 
everybody in this room because everybody has a story. Everybody has a family. Everybody has somebody who needs a miracle. Everybody has stuff where the enemy's messing around, where he's not allowed. So we're going to pray, God, right now in this room, Lord. We're going to take our authority that Christ has given us through the cross and crush the head of Satan. Just invite you to stand up right now. I just want you to participate in your heart, in your body, even if you want to stomp on the head of Satan, do that. Because there are situations where we need to take our authority and stomp. Every situation, God, in this room right now, where the enemy has had the upper hand, it seems. Seems as though he's had the upper hand. We know it's not right. Because the very God-man, Jesus, lives inside of us. So right now, we take our authority and we stomp on the head of Satan. We stomp on the head of Satan. We break the power of sin in our lives, in our family's lives. We break the power of death in our lives, in our family's lives. We break the power of the devil himself. Come, Lord, and crush the head of Satan through your people. You yourself have a part to play in this. We can't wait around. We have to participate with the Lord. We have to participate. Come, Lord, crush the head of Satan. Break the power of sin, death, and the devil. Crush the head of Satan and break the power of sin, death, and the devil. Crush the head of Satan and break the power of sin, death, and the devil. Say it with me. Crush the head of Satan and break the power of sin, death and the devil we crush the enemy we break the power of sin death and the devil Crush Satan's head. Crush the head of Satan. Death power. Death power is over. Is over. Death's power is over. We Crush Satan's head. Holy power is greater 
break the power of sin. Bring forth your life. Bring forth your life. Bring forth your life. We break the power of death. Break the power of death. We break the power of the devil in our lives, in our families. Come on, enter into it. Bring forth your life. We break the power of sin. Bring forth your life. We break the power of death. You break the power of We death. break the power of the devil. You break the power Let's have of some death. resurrection life. Bring forth your life. We break the power of sin. Bring forth your life. We break the power of death. We break the power of the devil right now in our families' lives. We come against it. We crush Satan's head. We break the power of sin. We break the power of death. We break the power of the devil. Have your way, God, all across this region, all across this region. We represent the whole region of the Tri-Valley right here. We represent it. Break the power of Satan, God. Crush him. Crush him. Everything he's stolen. Crush him. We break the power of sin in our own lives, in our families. We break the power of death. Those who need a miracle, those who are suffering with diseases that doctors can't help you. We break the power of death right now by the power and blood of Jesus. We break the power of the devil. Have your way, God, all across this region. Have your way, Jesus. We are expecting miracles we are expecting prodigals home we are expecting resurrections we are expecting you to move Lord we are expecting you to move
Okay, stretch forth your hand. You, it, there may be a certain direction, a certain place that you need to face, but stretch out your hand. We ask God that you'd release hope in every part of the Tri-Valley, in every family that's represented here, in every grocery store, in every workplace where kids play in the park, the schools, every mountain of culture, God, in this area. We ask, God, that you'd explode in each individual in this room, your kingdom, that they know what they carry, God. They know what the glory that they carry, God, because what you did on the cross. We ask, God, that you shift their mindset about what you did on the cross, God, and who they are now as sons and daughters. I want to tell you, you're amazingly attractive. <laughs> say that. Say, I'm amazingly attractive. <laughs> say that again until you believe it. I'm amazingly attractive. God made you amazingly attractive when he came into your life. They're attracted to Jesus in you. And when you start to really believe that, you'll actually become even more attractive. You're beautiful. So keep your eyes closed. There's moments in time that change everything, and the resurrection is one of those moments. I was trying to think, should I call this the moment that changes everything, or love wins? It's kind of both, right? But close your eyes, I'm going to read to you from John, the Passion Version about the resurrection. It's not quite Sunday yet. We're here Saturday, but very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved. Are you the one Jesus loved? <laughs> Good. She told them, they'd taken the Lord's body from the tomb, and I don't know where he is. Have you ever been confused when something hard has happened to you? She was confused. She didn't know what was going on. Resurrection was not something you normally see. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter. That's got to get in there. <laughs> and he reached the tomb first. He didn't even enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen clothes lying there. Then Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb. He too noticed that the linen clothes lying there, but the burial cloth had been on Jesus' head, had been rolled up, and placed separate from the other cloths. At least Jesus cleaned up after himself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went in, and after one look, he believed. 
One look. One look he believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Puzzled, Peter and the other disciple then left and went back to their homes. Mary arrived back at the tomb, broken and sobbing. <sighs> she stooped to peer inside, and through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes sitting where Jesus' body had been, lay, had been laid, one at its head and one at, at the feet. Dear woman, why are you crying? They asked Mary. They asked. Mary answered, they have taken away my Lord. I don't, I don't know whether they've laid him. Even angelic visitation didn't focus her away from her grief. She just was aware that her Jesus was gone, and she wanted to know where he was. Then she turned around to leave, and there was Jesus standing in front of her, the one she was looking for. But she didn't realize that it was him. How many times we don't realize Jesus right in front of us. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary answered, thinking it was only the gardener. <laughs> Jesus looked like the gardener, huh? Sir, if you have taken his body somewhere else, tell me and I will go and find him. And then the words, Mary, Mary, Jesus interrupted her. Turning to face him, she said, Rabone, Aramaic for my teacher. She saw him. Once she called, he called her name, he was able to see who she was. She knew the voice of Jesus. Once he called out to her in that same tone, he knew who she was. He, he, she knew who he was. Jesus cautioned her, Mary, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet ascended to God, my Father. And he's not only my Father and God, but now he's your Father. And your God. Now go to my brothers and tell them what I've told you, that I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God and your God. Then Mary Magdalene left to inform the disciples of her encounter with Jesus. I've seen the Lord, she told them, and she gave his message. I'm going to go skip on because there was another person who didn't recognize Jesus unless he, and his name was Thomas. Thomas, he looked into Thomas's eyes and he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Don't give in to your doubts any longer. Any of you in this room, just believe. Then the words spilled out of his heart, you are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe, but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts and they will see me. Isn't that an amazing story? A moment in time that changed everything with the resurrection. I believe that the resurrection is actually, which is what 
creates that river, that flow that we experience. I actually believe we're not three streams. I believe we're one river. We're, we're one church with multiple campuses, and God has called us to be unified for what he wants to do in this season. I was thinking about um, the resurrection, and I was thinking about the prophets who foretold the resurrection. And I read Isaiah this week, this, um, this week, and I realized Isaiah believed in the resurrection before he even saw it. Prophetically, he saw what God was doing. After Isaiah 53 comes Isaiah 54. that says, Sing, O barren, you who have not ha born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more of the children are the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations. Later on in 55, Isaiah says, For you shall go out with joy. And he led them out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of thorns shall come the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come forth the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Isn't that great? Isaiah saw the birth of Jesus. He saw the suffering of Jesus. But more than that, he saw the resurrection of Jesus. And he saw the impact that we would make in the world because of us believing in the resurrection of Jesus. I was trying to think of, of what it would have been felt like to be the disciples at that time and experience the, res, the resurrection. You know, you walk up to the tomb and it's amazing how much, um, even when we think we have a lot of belief, how we don't have as much belief as we thought we did. And when reality comes in, um, we, 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 we really, you know, that's what the disciples thought they would never deny Jesus, and they did. Yet, in that resurrection, something changed. Something changed that, that changed in their hearts that they were able to see Jesus in the midst of that time. And uh, I was thinking about a situation in my life. I remember when my son came back to the Lord. I was thinking about the prodigal son. And uh, it's kind of like that when Jesus was raised again. The one that was lost was found again. And so when they came in, they found the one that they loved. They found the joy of their heart, which was Jesus, back again. They rediscovered Jesus fully, and they understood who he was. Man, that must have been crazy to run and encounter Jesus and really see him alive at that time. And the testimony was so powerful that these guys gave their life for Jesus. They were filled with so much joy. They gave their life. They started to sing out. It's the joy. I want you to change the music. We can go a little more joyful if you want. <laughs> because I think that sometimes we live on the wrong side of the cross. We live on the side over here. Oh, 
We want to bring that side of the cross to everyone out in this community who need to hear that good, Jesus died for their sins. We need to bring it, that the good news of the, that Jesus died for the sins. But we need to live over here in the river where the resurrection has occurred and all our sins have been dealt with and it's finished. And that's where we live with joy and peace and love. I remember the thing that was remarkable about my son when he came back to the Lord. He saw so much joy in Linda and myself that he was attracted to us again as father. And I remember when God reached and touched him, he had so much joy. He was the drunkest person in joy in the room because he experienced so much love. And he goes, Mom and Dad, that's what I've always wanted. Don't you want that kind of joy? Stand up if you want that kind of joy. That's the joy of the cross for the joy set before him. You were the joy. And God celebrates you. He celebrates each one of you in a, a remarkable way. And if we enter into the resurrection, we enter into the river. And we'll begin to flow and we'll begin to change our community if we fully enter in that and integrate into that part of our lives. We are the transforming church. We are the resurrected church. We are powerful people. When we speak the word of God, people hear it. When we share our testimony at, at work, people are attracted to us. I've got a guy at work, they call him the, the Zen master because he brings so much peace. When I walk into environments, people know that Jesus is present. When you walk into environments, every single one of you, you bring the presence of the Lord. You carry something that's eternal, whether it be a mustard seed or it would be something greater, you carry the resurrection power in your life. So Lord, we ask that you just release joy. We ask God that you'd release joy, 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 that the joy of God would just fill each one of us so that we could go out and witness the power of the cross to every individual in this community and that joy would be released in so many lives because of what we carry. We would be the biggest partiers of joy in this area. The people actually would want to come to every party that we carry. I pray for more parties. I pray for the anointing of parties in homes in this house. And the resurrection power of healing would start to flow in every place here. Thank you, Jesus. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. <laughs> oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a Shout out to God with 